0: A good start. Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz interview series with legendary Kansas City jazz pianist Tim Whitmer. He is the prodigal son of Kansas City jazz and was fortunate to learn from the likes of Jay McShann, Mary Lou Williams, and Count Basie. We caught up with him in early May 2020 during the coronavirus quarantine to discuss the silence of jazz and the future he is very busy at the top jazz venues in kansas city and hosts a monthly concert series spirituality and all that jazz at the unity temple on the plaza he's always pleasing kc crowds and has great stories enjoy
1: hey joe what's going on buddy
2: oh man not too much it's so so good to catch up with you i've been wanting to talk to you for years so thanks for taking a a, a slice of time out for us today
1: oh listen uh, my pleasure we've been you know a lot going on and uh... My wife had surgery here a couple weeks ago, so our uh, schedule has been, you know, working around doctor's appointments and stuff, but everything's going real well, and uh, I understand we got the next half hour uh, to chat, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I guess, first and foremost, again, thank you, and I just want to know from you, you know, I don't want this to be dominated by COVID-19, but I do want to know, right. how, are, how are you kind of satiating your creative vid during this pandemic?
1: Well, you know, the the, um, the whole thing happened so fast, it kind of caught, you know, literally the whole world by surprise. You know, two months ago, we were, in terms of the gig scene here in Kansas City, it was a very vital scene, and a lot was going on, and uh, I uh, play a variety of uh, locations. I play a lot of clubs, like the Green Lady, the Phoenix Cafe Trio. I'm on staff at uh, Community Christian Church. I also uh, run a, a long-running program a Unity Temple called spirituality and all that jazz on the first Wednesday of the month. It's uh, been going for 25 years, and uh, and then I do a lot of corporate parties and that sort of thing. And with this um, lockdown, has kind of put uh, almost all those things on hold. We're doing some uh, streaming at the churches, so that keeps me working still at that point in time, but. Otherwise, yeah, not playing the clubs and waiting for, to see what that's going to look like in this next phase of uh, coming back. And uh, so what I've been doing has been, uh, been being very creative. I just uh, It's been an, actually kind of a nice opportunity to take a little bit of time off from just playing because I play six, seven, eight times a week um, and take some time off to do some writing, to uh, catch up in my office with the things that I'm doing to listen to other, uh, music that, uh, a lot of things that when you're going in your day to day business, uh, you kind of get behind on just because you you know, you're working for the next gig and that sort of thing. So, it's been kind of a nice creative pause. I hope it's not a real long, long pause, but, uh, uh, it's been a creative pause and uh, a chance to kind of think outside of the box and in addition to that uh explore the streaming options and the zoom options and uh and just kind of wait and see what's going to happen
2: yeah yeah it's, it's a challenging time so you know let's go into kind of another happier phase of life let's talk about right. where you were, born and, raised, where you were yeah. born and raised and and kind of how jazz began for you
1: well i was born and raised in kansas city i'm a native kansas city I'm and uh grew up basically in the Brookside neighborhood. Went to uh, St. Peter's grade school, Southwest High School, and uh, UMKC Conservatory. Um, half of my family is Sicilian, and that side of the family was always into music. Uh, my grandfather sang. My uh, mom, um, who's 89 years old, still uh, plays the piano every day. So I grew up listening to the piano. I grew up with... Uh, Family gatherings were always ended up with, you know, getting around the piano and people singing songs and all of that kind of thing. Uh, in a sense, I was blessed uh, growing up in the 50s and 60s that, uh, it was kind of before the internet and, and almost every house had a piano and, uh, you could go from house to house and that was a form of entertainment that everybody did, uh, for holidays and, just on a regular basis, and I fell in love with it right from the beginning. I was uh, a kind of—I um, wouldn't say a nerd, but I was—I was the kid that didn't. You didn't have to uh, drag me to lessons; I was ready to go. I mean, it's—you uh, know, hear so many stories about people say, "Oh, I hated my piano lessons," or, or wish "I wish I'd have stayed with it." I—I uh, I asked my parents if I could double, and uh, the woman who taught me. I uh, lived across the street, so I was able to do that. And uh, the jazz thing came along. I just started improvising right from the beginning. I'm, I've been blessed, to. I learned how to read music, and then I was uh, cultivating my ear. My f- family was always, uh, we always had music on, uh, on both sides of my family. Um, and, uh, you know, that was in the days of the hi-fi records and that sort of thing. My folks were very involved with the, the civil rights movement in the 60s and, uh, social justice issues. And, uh, I got to, real early on, um to be familiar with, you know, all different parts of Kansas City. And with that came exposure to the Kansas City Jazz, which I just, uh, fell in love with from day one. I thought, uh, wow, this is kind of the best of all worlds. And, uh, been kind of hooked on it ever since.
2: You know, the one thing, as far as I'm concerned, being an observer on the outside, and I've been listening to live jazz in Kansas City since probably the mid-90s, really started getting into it, been doing the show since 2011. You are, it's safe to say that you are an institution in this town. And I want to know from you, what what kind of advantage has it been for you to be from Kansas City? Not even an advantage, but like, How has that infused the way you view jazz and carry on? I mean, I'm sure you've been around enough and you've lived long enough. What has the Kansas City roots done for you, for your playing, your longevity, and
1: your influence in this town? Well, I would say that uh, it's been an integral part of my sound. Um, And there's so many versions of Kansas City jazz. There's so many... uh, different kind of jazz that is played in Kansas city. And I think all those are exciting and I have dealt in uh, most of those in some aspects or another. However, when I grew up uh, was uh, there was still a lot of the original uh, black musicians who had played with Basie and Ellington and Parker. Uh, those guys were still playing in town and uh, I got to meet Jay Chan. He came to my gigs. I hung out with him you know there were um, guys that, you know, played like like I said, all those bands, and so I really, in particular, um, got enamored uh, with that swing kind of classic, Basie, uh, Ellington, um, James mcchan jumping the Blues kind of thing. I, I, that's still kind of my favorite kind of uh, jazz to play. I like all the different other kinds, but that's the one I think I'm kind of the most known for. And uh I was brought up in a, in a wonderful period of time because it was kind of the last round of that generation that was still playing, that it really had played with the seminal bands in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. And um, th- th- that to me is is... I wouldn't say the true Kansas City sound that far, but for me, it's my favorite Kansas City sound. I like to make people um, um, snap their fingers, tap their toes, have a good time. It's a joy-filled um, intersection kind of of jazz and the blues. So, what do you
2: like best about Kansas City?
1: What do I like best about Kansas City? Uh, Besides Elsie's barbecue, you know, (laughs) 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 well, I think it's a, it's a wonderful uh, city. It's it's a wonderful blend of, um, a lot of cultures, especially in the more recent decades. Um, it's kind of all a little bit on hold right now because of the COVID-19, but, um, I think the Kansas City people, uh, um, it's a midwestern town. It's uh it's a town that uh uh is oh, it's, it's just it's just fun to, it's a fun town to be in. It's you know, we love our sports like the Royals and the Chiefs. We're passionate about our barbecue. I mean people will go up either spend days and, and nights uh debating what barbecue they like best, but people in Kansas City love their barbecue and they love live music. I I think uh even broader swath than just jazz, Kansas City's always been a town that values uh, live music. I mean, and during... Um, we pretty much never had a period, even during prohibition, where we didn't have live music. Tom Pendergast and all these people created speakeasies and places where it was, you know, a lot of jazz, but also just live music. People like to go out and and hear music. The concerts are well attended in this area. Clubs are well supported. Um, and it's just kind of a melting pot of a lot of different cultures coming together in the music that I um, I find very exciting. And I think that people in Kansas City are upbeat and um, easy to be with. And I love um, being able to play piano for them.
2: You know, the one thing that I always ask musicians,
1: and this was pre-COVID-19,
2: is, you know, how healthy is jazz as an organism in 2020? But I know now, I've talked to enough jazz musicians, it's staggering the amount of shows that have been canceled by one musician, one venue, and in one city. I mean, just for you alone, for what you have just mm-hmm. said, for the Green Lady Lounge, for Kansas City... Have you thought about that, how staggering it is, the amount? I mean, on on the one side of it, it's it's it's, it's really just un, unimaginably bad. But on the other hand of it, it just proves the might and the worth. And, of course, Kansas City was in a rena- renaissance. Have you really thought about that?
1: Oh, yeah. The, that's a good point, too. The, uh, the city was, you know, at uh, a renaissance is a good word for it. And I've been uh, playing professionally for about 40 or 50 years so I've seen the ups and downs and uh there were some real lean periods uh, in and as far as the amount of clubs for quite a long time but uh I grew up in a period where there still were a lot of clubs and then it kind of faded uh, interest kind of faded for a while and then but especially in the last 10 years as Kansas City has really put itself back on the map a, a vibrant downtown uh businesses coming here people moving down down to live um when the covid 19 thing hit i think we were at a, almost a um if not an all-time high at least a, a um a high point that we haven't seen in decades i mean there were so many clubs you mentioned the green lady i mean think of all the musicians that he was running two and three bands at maybe four bands a day at times, you know, the Phoenix runs several bands and there's hosts of other clubs that I'm, I'm not even mentioning, uh, off the top of my head right now. But I mean, people were playing jazz education in Kansas city, especially with the work that, um, Bobby Watson has done over at EMKC and Jim Mayer has done at Kansas City, Kansas community college, just to name two Todd Wilkinson out of Ottawa. The, um, the interest in jazz, I think, has been really high, and the City Fathers have figured out that if you're going to market Kansas City um, as a hotel des I mean, a um, convention destination, which is the reason that we were we were building all these hotels before this uh, COVID nineteen temporarily, I hope, I hope just temporarily stopped it, was uh, you know they w- they really learned how to market Kansas City as a livable city, a fun city. It has great live music and it has a unique uh, a cuisine, if you will, with its barbecue. So all those things seem to be really gelling, uh, right before this thing hits. And I hope we can get back there because that was, it was a very exciting period of time. People who wanted to work were working. I mean, it's, uh, and they were teaching, uh, churches were hiring, uh, um, jazz musicians There's I uh, have a program where I do jazz services in all sorts of denominations of uh, church work and uh, it's an exciting, very exciting period of time and very diverse a lot of different things happening I thought, and then on the younger range uh, the guys that are coming out in their 20s and 30s, I mean they're doing some phenomenal things and moving the jazz on to its next stage as well as respecting the tradition so it was a very, very exciting time and very sad to see this thing, that like within two months, just totally stop in its track. But, um, Kansas City is a resilient town and, um, people, I think, are, uh, re- they can't wait to hear uh, live music again. I think when it comes back, uh, people will be back out. I you know, just, uh, long for that day. and we've got to wait till it's safe though. So, and I, I, I do believe in that.
2: Yeah. Well, and piggybacking off of that notion, let me ask you this. When we do return to live music, what do you hope both the musician and the crowd realizes from this time away? What revelations?
1: I think, uh, both the, the musicians and the crowd will not so much a revelation, but I think they will, uh, realize once again what a great thing that they have you know it's it's it's, it's it will deepen their appreciation if you will you know I, I talk to so many people right now or people call and uh they say god you know we had so much great music going on or from the musical side musician side i hear people say you know i had so many fun gigs and stuff like that and it's not that we were taking them for granted but it was just such you know it, we wouldn't think that there was, was any way that something like this would cut, you know, cut the whole thing right, put it on hold. So I think it would be a renewed appreciation for it and um, on both the part of the performers and uh, the audience. My PS is on that, we have something that um, a lot of other cities don't. I mean, uh, yeah. I, uh, I've, I've toured and played in almost all the major cities and in, in a lot of the minor ones in kansas city and have been lucky to play uh the montreal festival in switzerland and been around and uh you know we go to can go to places uh, and do radio shows the first thing they ask about is the kansas city sound and quite frankly sometimes the djs are even more uh educated than we are i mean they, it's something that they really you know can't get enough of and so we've got we've got something probably only a handful of cities in the United States have. We have a sound and we have a history and we have a history of the people and the audience and the people and the musicians interacting. And, um, uh, I look forward to re- that returning.
2: So what do you like best about being a live performer?
1: Well, I'm an extrovert. So <laughs> it's, uh, I like I, I love to, I love to play uh, I consider myself very very blessed that something I started doing when I was eight or nine years old I'm still doing it I've been knock on wood most of my life been able to make a, a living doing it um, I love the interaction with people I love um, uh, um, I love seeing how people react to the music how they get excited when you're playing and how it brings them joy and, and, um, you know, it's. um, I met Mary Lou Williams many, many years ago when I was studying at the conservatory and uh, somebody asked her what are the two most important things about music and she says all music really falls into two categories. You're either helping make somebody be happy or you're helping healing them and that's kind of been uh, one of my mantras all along. When you're playing, uh if people are celebrating or they're getting off work and they want to kind of be distracted from their day-to-day concerns, the music makes them happy and it also has a bit of a healing quality. When you play in churches, it's even more of a healing quality because of the, the nature of the venue you're playing in. But uh, that's what I try to do. I try to bring happiness to my music and I try to bring healing to my music. And if I'm doing that, then I I feel like I'm doing not only musically, but spiritually what I want to be doing.
2: So why do you love this thing we call jazz?
1: Why do I love the thing we call jazz? I think because it gives you so much freedom. I mean, it's, uh, and I like especially, it gives you so much freedom. You can just, my degree actually is in classical piano. And I love classical music too, uh, but the jazz is where i've kind of made my name for the most part and i like the freedom you can and that there it's an umbrella There there's so many different kinds of jazz there's the swing jazz there's the contemporary jazz there's the modern jazz the smooth jazz all of them you know it's, it's it's jazz is kind of a menu of related forms and you can kind of pick the one you want or dab a little in each um it uh, it differs from uh, classical in the sense classical you're really you're reinterpreting and interpreting major beautiful works of art uh, Mozart and Beethoven all of that but uh, you really you really are glued to the note and um, which is is very good too but I like the elasticity and the freedom of playing in the moment uh, when you play it uh, jazz is. To one of the great things about playing jazz is that you can play the same song a million times, and it always sounds different, you know, and a million different guys can play it. Everybody who plays that song is going to play it slightly different and uh and every time you play it, if your ears are open, you hear new things so it's it 's a kind of music that never kind of uh, exhausts your interest or your creativity i mean it's uh, one teacher taught me told me once that um I think it was Ahmed al that uh, the great thing about it is every day you realize you're still a student. You know, you're still learning. And what a great thing in life to be able to invest so much time and energy uh, and then find that there's still so much more in there. It's not exhaustive. I mean, it's uh, and it's, it's freedom. And I don't know. My fingers like to play it. <laughs> that's yeah is. no I dig it yeah. No,
2: I, I, I love that notion too of, of
1: mm-hmm.
2: just learning I mean I, I find that with just being a fan of it there's just it, it, it never stops it's infinity it's like there's no end to that universe you can travel and travel and there's no wall to it um,
1: that's that's a good way to put it
2: so let me ask you this everyone has a perception of you you're, this town does your family, your friends your fans but you're living your life who do you believe, Tim Whitmer? Is
1: oh boy, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's, I'd like to hear what some of the other people say, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's very—it it
2: is like uh, it, it's like onion layers, man. Every single layer is different.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I mean, I'm kidding you. I, uh, um, it should be all over the place because when you're uh, when you play and you've been a performer for many years there's pluses and minuses in how uh, some people will love your play and some people will not. Some people uh, like it part of the time. Some people say, Oh, he's better in this period or he's better in that period. So that's just a uh, part of being an artist. And, um, and, and that I find that fine. And the, the uh, one of the things I find about criticism is that the neat thing I found about criticism early on is that, uh, if somebody criticizes you and, and you're going to get that, I mean, that's a legitimate form of uh, the art. I mean, because you, you give a performance and then there's a critique and uh, if it's a big enough performance, you get a review in the paper and the media. And the neat thing is that I always learn from those things because if somebody said something that resonates, that's true, like, you know, that you made this mistake or you're leaning towards, too much of that or this if it's true then you've learned something i mean that's i mean that is cool you part of the reason of putting your art out there is to find out what uh you're doing that's working and what you're doing that needs work if it's not true then you don't have to worry about it because it's 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 just a difference of opinion but what I try to just be is I just try to be a, a person who um, brings joy and happiness and healing to my to my music and uh, to live a life um, that corresponds to those values. I, mean, I don't I don't know it's I don't really have a really great definition. I just kind of get up and I do what I do and uh, I love people and I love the the fact that that. Uh, by playing the piano for this many years I have met so many people and also been able to keep in contact with people not just musicians but just people and uh, I love people I'm a people person that's one of the things I don't like about this COVID thing (laughs) you know the the Zoom is okay and the FaceTime and all that kind of stuff and streaming the music but nothing like you know, you're playing in a club or you're playing at a church or you're playing in a concert or a big corporate event. A big part of me is, is playing off of the people. I think that a really good performance is when the performer kind of throws it out to the audience and the audience gets it and then they throw it back to the performer and then the performer goes to an even higher level. And that is to me a really good performance.
2: Right on man. That's a great answer. Tim, thank you. I really appreciate you taking some time out for Neon Jazz today. And I look forward to seeing you back at the Green
0: Lady and beyond.
1: Sounds good. And I appreciate you working with my schedule. Thanks
0: for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Kansas City and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Tim for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino in the iTunes Store. Visit Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
1: Neon Jazz.